I'm Derek Thompson, longtime writer with The Atlantic Magazine on tech, culture, and politics. There is a lot of noise out there, and my goal is to cut through the headlines, loud tweets, and hot takes in my new podcast, Plain English. I'll talk to some of the smartest people I know to give you clear viewpoints and memorable takeaways. Plain English starts November 16th. Listen for free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page, plus start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome to the Ringers Philly special. Sheil Kapadia here on the Thursday show. Just got, got back from the Bronx. Phillies lose again to the Yankees 4-2. to Here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to offer some Phillies thoughts uh, off the top here. This is going to be a, a tighter episode. We'll take a break. We'll come back and we'll get to Cliff's group chat. We will talk some Sixers there. We'll talk some Eagles there. We'll talk whatever else is on our mind. So let's get to the Phillies. Okay. Phillies lose to the Yankees. Like I said, four to two, they're one in five. As of this podcast, they've been outscored by 24 runs, which is the worst mark in the major league. So the question right now is they come back home, home opener postponed on Thursday. They'll come back on Friday uh, and play the Cincinnati Reds. What's like the panic level, the level of concern with you as a Phillies fan, with me as a Phillies fan for this team? And I'm usually not this guy, but this time I'm in the take a deep breath. It's going to be okay camp. And, And so let me give you the reasons why I feel that way. First of all, it's one week. I, you know, I was just doing crunching uh, some numbers here. They've played 3.7% of their entire season. So to put that into perspective, one NFL game is 5.8% of the season. So this would be like just going nuts on the Eagles uh, before, you know, even their first week, their first game is over. It's been one week. It's a long season. It's 162 games. I understand. This sucks. I mean, we were all excited. We were pumped for this Philly season. We're ready to build off of that playoff run. Last year, I was right there with everyone else, and this is not the way you want to start the season. There's no doubt about it, but it's one week. Every, Pretty much every team uh, in the major leagues will have one bad week at some point this summer throughout the course of the season. So that's one. So 
Let's get to some positives because I actually think there were some positives from this Yankee series from this game uh, on Wednesday. Number one, Aaron Nola looked good. You need to be able to rely on Nola and Zach Wheeler. Early in the season, Nola had a terrible first start, comes back, six six innings, uh, five strikeouts, no walks, looked like his usual self. You're going to need that. You got Matt Strom looking good uh, in the bullpen game the night before. So those to me were... Some bright spots. I mean, I would still say pitching is my biggest concern because you just don't know what you're probably going to get from three, four, five until Ranger Suarez comes back. We know the bullpen. We know relievers can be volatile one season to the next. How does that hold up? That's probably still my biggest concern uh, with this team. But Nola looked like Nola. That is a good sign. All right, the bats. They have scored just 18 runs in six games. That is not good. However, again, another however here. I don't, I'm not usually the positive, like, glass half full guy, but I guess I'm in that boat here with the Phillies. Kyle Schwarber looked great, uh, you know, in this series. Two home runs. He hit three balls there uh, today. A couple of them, if the ball's carrying more, he could have had multiple home runs, I thought, uh, in this game. He's their tone setter. Like, I just want Kyle Schwarber seeing the ball well, hitting the ball hard, and then good things are going to happen. So that's one. Bryson Stott, a guy who probably was not talked about as much as some of the other uh, young players coming into this season. He's looked great so far this season. More hard-hit balls than anyone else on the team so far. Uh, Cliff's boy Alec Bohm has looked good so far this season. So there are some bright spots there uh, in the lineup. Schwarber, Stott, Bohm. It just feels like to me... When Bryce Harper gets back, like you can see a scenario, just Bryce Harper gets back, all right, everything falls into place. Everyone gets bumped down in the order a little bit. You have uh, the big, your biggest bat in there, and all of a sudden you go on a run. So it's kind of like tread water until Bryce Harper uh, gets back here. That's the way I see it. I think they're going to come back home. I think they're going to have a good home stand with the next six games, and they're going to get on track. All right, so what don't I like? What do I have some concerns about? I've seen enough of Christian Pache. I, I mean, I don't know. The guy, it feels like he's up in every high leverage situation for this team. I don't understand how he's only had six at-bats. I swear it feels like every time he comes up, you're, you're, you're like, all right, it's a big spot. Who's up? Oh, no. Christian Pache. I don't want to kill. I know I'm not here to kill the guy, but he's hitless in six at-bats. Has seen, I believe, a total of 12 pitches in six at-bats. Just not good at-bats at all. He's not giving them anything. Uh, Marsh has a mild ankle sprain, and so that's why Pache was in the lineup today. I don't know what they're going to do with these injuries because they are piling up a little bit. Derek Hall hurt his thumb in this game against the Yankees. So uh, Edmundo Sosa is going to be really an everyday player. It's just a matter of where is he going to play. I don't know how they're going to reorganize things, but, man, I would just say let, let's chill with getting Pache. Uh, these at-bats, there's got to be a better option right now. The other thing, the Nick Castellanos bounce back with, with the high hopes boys were telling us about before the season. Man, I am seeing no signs of that uh, right now. I know he's taking more pitches, but he still looks lost to me up there at the plate. He struck out on 48% 
of his plate appearances in the first week of the season. 48%. And I know he got a bad call in this game. There's no doubt about it. The It was not great umpiring. They've had a couple of games like that. But, uh, man, just to have him in the middle of the roster giving you absolutely nothing, that's something that, honestly, I don't know if that get, gets remedied uh, all season long. I know Jack Fritz was on with us and was saying, hey, start him out there in the middle of the order. If you get to, like, June and he's still not giving you anything, then move him down then. I guess that's fine to do, but if you were hoping to see signs in spring training, if you were hoping to see signs early in the season, those signs uh, have not come at all. So those are some of the concerns. Overall, my panic level on a scale of 1 to 10, I guess if you said like 10 is... The season is over. Let's move on to the, the Sixers and the NFL draft. And, you know, one is I'm not worried at all. They're going to the playoffs. They're a World Series contender. I'm probably at like a three or a four. I, I think this team is still going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to be okay. I think they need to tread water until Bryce Harper gets back. But I'm not going to say I'm overly concerned about them at this point in time, Alex Coffey, who was on with us, pointed out they started out 1-5 in 2007. They made the playoffs that year. Again, they get six games at home now. Uh, and then after that, it's going to be pretty interesting because the game got postponed. So they're playing Friday, which was supposed to be an off day. Starting Friday, they play 17 straight, 17 games in 17 days. They don't have, have an off day. So next time they have an off day after Thursday, is going to be Monday of NFL draft week. So give me a give me like a four and two homestand, hit the road to five and seven, claw back to around five hundred, get Bryce Harper back. I think they're gonna be okay. I'm not sure that they're gonna be okay. All right. So those are some Phillies thoughts off the bat. Let's take a little break here. We're gonna get come back to Cliff's group chat. I want to hear Cliff's thoughts uh, on the Phillies. And then, of course, we're going to get to some stuff on the Sixers and the Eagles as well. All right, we're back here on the Ringers Philly special. Shield Kapati here on the Thursday show. Cliff, you were giving me some like, are you nuts type looking faces there. As I said, I'm not worried about the Phillies. I don't know where you want to get started. This is uh, yeah. your segment. You take it in whatever uh, uh, direction you want. But I feel like you had you you were biting your tongue there a little bit. It looked. Nah, like. I'm just not. I'm not terrified. We literally played six games so far, and you already had a three. Yeah. I think that's way too high. You should be. Oh, at, you think I was too high? Yeah. Oh, okay, good. Should be All right. Okay, this I like season, that. This baseball season is too long. We know. We know how these things work. One team's going to get hurt. Some, you know, somebody in the division that could like, be our team, though. What right, team's that is get true. Hurt. That is true. That is very, very true. But you know, like the Mets, Edwin Jackson's going to get hurt. Scherzer doesn't look good so far this season. Like it's just too early for people to be crying. However, I will say this though: the Phillies are dead last in the ERA, six point nine eight. They are twenty eighth in RBIs. 26 and runs scored, but they are eighth in batting average, which means they're making contact and getting on base, but they're yeah. just leaving runners. Like you said, uh, Christian Pache and, and you know guys like that are just leaving runners in scoring position, or they're getting on yeah. base and doing dumb things like Brandon Marsh did the oh, night that I was at Yankee running. State. Oh yeah. my gosh, yeah. base. Let me, you know what? What's your initial thoughts on just what's been going on with the base running? I don't know what's going on, but you're right. I mean, you mentioned it with Marsh today. Trey Turner gets picked off uh, at first base. Derek Hall, I was seated, you know, in like left field in that corner. And you're like, all right, yeah, Derek Hall gets a hit. And then I'm watching Derek Hall <laughs> circle first base. And listen, I am a slow guy. Like, I think we've talked about this before. I am very slow. I was watching him just going, 
oh my gosh, this is not even going to be close. And then the poor guy injures his thumb on the slide. There's, I don't know, there's probably a randomness to that, right? Like, I, I don't think they're going to be a terrible base running team, but it is sort of an unexpected theme of the first week of the season. Like, we just named three things in this one series. You normally don't have three, you know, base running gaffes uh, in the matter of one series. So I think stuff like that will, you know, start to turn uh, a little bit in their favor. But yeah, you're, you're absolutely right to call that out. And then you mentioned it with the ERA, ERA. The other thing I didn't mention, mention you know, Greg Soto, uh, the reliever, comes out. He's had three appearances, and two of them have not been good yeah. at all. So though, relievers are weird. Like, you never yeah. know one month to the next, one season to the next. So yep. that's kind of in the back of my mind as well. I was there when uh, Junior Marte um, on Tuesday night at Yankees. Well, we got to talk about our Yankee Stadium experience, first yes. of all. This is the first time going there. This is one of – actually, I went to Yankee Stadium before for a football game. But I never had been to Yankee Stadium yet for a baseball game. So we got to talk about that in a second. But I was there when Junior Marte on Tuesday night, he gave up. I think he gave up five runs in his his relief when he came in. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, we got to get we got to do something with the bullpen. We got to again, it's still it's still too early to panic. But, yeah, the bullpen just hasn't looked good so far. I thought Nola did great today, too, in a bounce back yeah. uh, in a bounce back game coming off that first game this year. Um, but, yeah, the bullpen is just uh it's not looking too good, Chill. 6.98 yeah. ERA total. And that's probably, majority of that's probably from what Nola's start and when he blew up Texas in the fifth inning, I believe it was. And probably yeah. most of, a lot more of that was probably from the Marte stuff from the other night. And then, like you said, gave up that two-run bomb. Soto, yeah. yeah. So it, it just hasn't, it hasn't looked good for the guys coming in relief. Obviously, we know the back end of the bullpen is pretty decent. It's it's just the middle, the middle inning. So maybe if we get a couple more innings from our starters, as the season you know progresses later on and the weather gets warmer and you know guys can locate their pitches a little bit better and get a better feel for the ball maybe that's when we'll see um just they'll just keep it to the back end you know setup man uh eighth eighth inning guy and then the closeout hopefully the bats will start getting some runners in from scoring position yeah. and we can see some runs being scored here uh the numbers again the early numbers just don't look that good but like you still have the belief you still see the potential you understand how potent the lineup is. So I'm not I'm not fearful at all. And I don't think anyone should panic. Like I said, the season is absolutely way too long for anyone to be already, oh my God, I can't believe how bad the Phillies are. But you can clean up the stupid mistakes like the runners on base. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, the, the relief, it's such a small sample with every, with everything you're looking at. I mean, guys that are pitching like an inning here and an inning there. So, yeah, I don't want to panic uh, about any of that stuff. But at, this, you know, at the same time, you thought coming into the season the bullpen was going to be a strength. You'd be able, once you get to them, you feel good uh, about them kind of carrying you the rest of the way. And that certainly has not happened yet. Tell me about your Yankee Stadium uh, experience because I have some thoughts. Uh, I think my experience was different than yours. I mean, I went... You know, with uh, with family, with, uh, with with two two daughters, uh, I feel like yours. You probably were, were viewing a little more rowdy crowd. They're not, yeah. not your crowd, not, but yeah, just from what you were telling crowd. me, yeah, yeah, what you what you witnessed. So, uh, just what was your whole whole experience like? What did you so, think about being at Yankee Stadium? So, as you know, I live in Brooklyn uh, as of right now. Um, so, there's a train that actually goes directly from my neighborhood straight up to the Bronx, up to Yankee Stadium. Takes about like 45 minutes to an hour or so just because there's so many damn stops on the way up. Plus, I'm going from Brooklyn all the way up to the Bronx. So that's literally like going from imagine going from like South Philly all the way up to like North Philly, but even longer. Yeah. So um get on the train. Uh and some rowdy fans got on around, you know, Columbus Ave for all my 
for all my people out there, Columbus Ave is about the the middle central part of the route, about stop seven, eight. And, uh, you know, everybody's in there. There's some Philly fans, obviously. Philly isn't too far from New York, so some Philly fans made the trek. And uh, there's just some rowdy, rowdy young college kids, I think, on the train. And it felt, yo, it really felt like the Broad Street line. Like, every, they're on there saying, <laughs> like, Chan, F the Phillies. Like, if you're a Phillies fan, you got stink, da, da, da. I'm like, whoa. I thought Phillies fans were notorious for all this. But the Yankees fans, they, yo, those fans bring it, man. I like that experience, too. Because when you get off the train, like, you're right, like, Every if you haven't been to Yankee Stadium yet, you're like right in the Bronx. Like there's not really like a big parking lot like right there. You're they literally block off the streets so people can get into the stadium like walking off the train because there's so many people that just take the train instead of, you know, driving a car, or, you know, whatever, but like a bus or anything like that. So, yeah, cars are already packed. Obviously, this is I think this is Yankee's second series home uh, this year. So the hype is already real. There's a lot of Phillies fans that are coming up from Philly doing it. Uh doing the trip just because it's a quick trip. The train ride was funny, though, because there's there's the chance. And it, it was just like, wow, this is really just like the broad tree line. Like, we, Philly and New York are really just twin cities. Like, it's just New York is just slightly bigger than Philly. That's how I took it. And then um, when you walk around the stadium, you just see nothing but history. Like, it's super dope seeing, like, all the memorabilia, all the, like, the old-timer Yankee stuff that they put around the stadium. Did you take? Yeah. Did you uh, get a chance to just walk around? And just Not take- this time. No. Yeah. Yeah. Have done that before, though. Yeah. yeah. We usually yeah. go up about once a year at least. And and, and uh, <laughs> so we get up. I'm sitting up there in the uh, foul territory up in section the 400 level. So this is like the top of the top. This is the cheap seats. Whatever. Hey, just buy a couple of tickets. We'll just go to Yankees games to see it. And um, there's some rowdy kids uh, at the top. <laughs> kids about 18, 22, college age kids. There's about there's a group of 20 Yankees fans and there is like a group of like three or four Phillies uh, kids. They're in the same section, but they're about 20 seats apart. So they're just yelling back and forth at each other while the Phillies are getting killed. And these Yankees fans are giving them the middle finger F the Phillies like you guys should go back home. Y'all should never made the trip. You're not welcome in my city. Blah, 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 blah. Like. I, yo, I honestly, I like that though. Like, I felt that energy. I tr- it really felt like home. Like, I didn't realize. Like, you know how you, they talk about the best fan bases in sports: Yankees, Lakers, Duke. Well, I don't the the, the, the sort of the bandwagon, the biggest, yeah, like the big. You know what yeah. I'm talking about? Like the biggest, the yeah. biggest bandwagon fan bases. Like yeah. those are always like the you know the biggest names right there: Yankees, Cowboys, Cowboys. Yeah, like fans like that, right? And like yeah. you. Seeing that like up close and personal, I was like, yo, like I really like this. Like, I love how they 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 bring that energy every night. They're super rowdy. They love, they truly do love the Yankees and they rep New York. And it just felt like home. And I I truly enjoyed that experience. Even after um the Phillies were getting killed, I think they were getting killed by the seventh inning. There was a, there was like some young drunk girl who was like 16, 17. She was like, get out of my city. You Phillies fans don't belong here. <laughs> And just like walked off. I'm like, all right, like you probably have school tomorrow or you're in spring break. Please just go home. <laughs> go home. So you, so you yeah. go home and don't don't hurt yourself on the way home. So I I like I enjoyed it. I had never been to a Yankees game. I didn't know what to expect, but I thought that the trip up there was cool. And even on the trip back, it was some kids from Brooklyn uh getting off around my stop. They was giving me, they were giving me some hell too. They were like, you know, it's nothing like playing, you know, beating the Phillies. Like making it loud and obvious. There were yeah. a couple of seats away from me on the subway. So we we were talking back and forth. We had a nice conversation about just the similarities of Brooklyn and Philly and 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 how um how much the fan bases care about each other and just 
we talking about the 09 World Series too. So I had a oh, whole, yeah. Yeah, I had overall good experience going up there. Um I'm glad I finally checked that off my bucket list seeing as I live in New York. So it was cool to finally get up there and do that. Um, I'm not sure when the next time the Yankees or the Phillies come up here to play the Yankees. So I'm glad I, you know, I got that out the way. So how was your experience with the, yeah. Who was it? Who, who all uh, went with you? Yeah, it was uh, me, me, my wife, two kids, and then my sister-in-law met us there. So uh, we went to the game. Now, you're right. The the scene there, I the Yankee fan base. I mean, it's uh, like like they're into it. I mean, they're there uh, every game. They're watching every game. It's a fun uh, fan base for sure. The the tradition, the history there. So that all, I'm with you. Now, here are some issues I had though with with, with my experience there. Number one, and this was an afternoon game, so it's still you know yours was it was a night game, like you said, some rowdy kids there. Um, this was an afternoon game. It felt like a, a lot of kids are probably on spring break, so uh, there were a lot of families. Actually, no one said anything to us. We actually had Phillies fans uh, in front of me, behind me, and when there were those, there were brief moments to cheer or give high fives. There was we Philly were, fans. Yeah, there was Philly fans yeah. in my section too. We we dapped it up. We were talking to. for a sec. Yeah, yeah. It was a it was a like, it was a lot of Phillies fans that made the trip up there. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt about it. So, um, one issue I had, and I don't know, this probably was exclusive to this game. They didn't have a real national anthem, Cliff. I mean, Yankee <laughs> Stadium. What is this? They just, they just like piped in. Yeah, some, yeah. I don't even know yep. what it was. Yeah, uh, type they, national. They, yeah. I'm going. I'm going, what? You're the New York Yankees and you can't find anyone to sing the national anthem uh, for this game. So I had an issue. Uh, I had an issue with that. I didn't even I don't think about that, that was... now that you brought that okay. up. That is true. They really did just pipe in. I did not think did of that. Did they do that for your game yeah, too? Yeah. I didn't know yeah. if it was a one game thing or not, but I didn't like that. Like, I love when you get the live person and, there, whether it's a, you know, playing baseball, an instrument cool. or singing. Yeah. And baseball, yeah. it is super cool. Or like a big event like the Super Bowl or, um, even yeah. like I know I know the Sixers game. They always try to get somebody local to do it. So right, I, yeah, I don't I even think, remember being at a game honestly where the national any sporting event where the national anthem wasn't live. Maybe I'm misremembering, and this happens more often than I think. But I don't remember ever not having a live national anthem. So I didn't like that. Uh, I don't like the. I feel like the concessions there are among the worst for any baseball stadium I've been to. Which is why you're thinking New. This is New York. Like this should be, you know, the best of the best. I'm not, you know, I know it's going to be uh, expensive. It's all good, but like literally, they have one of their things. Lay's potato chips. What? <laughs> yeah. Yankee Stadium and you're selling Lay's? They're selling small bags of Lay's for $5. Vegetarian options are terrible. I'm like, you're New York. You know how many, like, there's, you should, this is the most diverse fan base probably in major leagues, probably in all of professional sports, maybe. Like, I would think that you would have all kinds of options there. Uh, and they just don't. Both, both times I've been there, I've been very just the Citizens Bank Park. And I would, I'm not trying to be biased here. So if anyone feels differently, whatever you're about to say about Citizens Bank Park, I agree with because you're probably speaking facts. I feel like Citizens Bank Park kills Yankee Stadium in terms of concessions and food and different options and that kind of thing. Like, and, and they've been like ahead of the curve for vegetarians like me. I mean, they've had options like w- way back. They would make a big deal out of it and send press releases and stuff. And most stadiums that I go to, there's I'm not asking for like a special section or anything. Just yeah. hey, it's an afternoon game. I want to get some lunch and like it's hard to find anything uh, to even eat there. So I was disappointed there. Other thing, the TV monitors. We're on delay, Cliff. So you're you're standing in concessions. You're looking at a monitor. You hear the crowd cheer, and then you see what's happening. What is that? What, what good is the TV if it's not going to be synced up to the? It was bad. It was on a bad delay. So like, how bad was the delay? Hear, 
it, I mean, it was definitely a few seconds. Like, it was noticeable. Uh, and also, it wasn't, I feel like most stadiums, they have the TVs, like, at the concession. So, you, you know, you look at the menu and you can, you know what you want. You're waiting in line. You watch the game. They didn't have any TVs there. You have to, like, turn your head and look back to the section and you can kind of squint your eyes and barely see it. So I'm probably sounding snobby and obnoxious, but come on. Would you go food-wise? All we we got uh, pretzels. We got soft pretzel. We got French fries, and then they had like this. It was like a chicken and waffle type thing. But I'm obviously not eating the chicken, so they did have a just waffle option. But I'm like, I don't need to. Like, I'm sure someone just microwaved the waffle back there. <laughs> My kids are we're dipping this waffle in syrup uh, and eating it. I'm like, this is you know. I was expecting a little more from my lunch uh, today at Yankee <laughs> hey, Stadium. You so know, it's like funny. That. Like people be taking the souvenirs with them too, coming out of Yankee Stadium just because they're a Yankee Stadium. But they, <laughs> yeah. all it was was just a bucket of chicken and fries. Like that's <laughs> yeah. what it is. When I got yeah. when I went there, so in New York they have the popular thing called the halal guys. So I just went over there and just grabbed some real quick too because I'm like, oh, see, we should have got that because they have yeah. they do I think have vegetarian the falafel. Yeah. But yeah, that wasn't near us. Yeah, yeah. So they had the halal guys where I was at, and um, like to me personally, when you go to a ballpark, I'm not really big on like hot dogs and 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 chicken and fries because like you can get that i can get that at the corner store right now you know what i'm saying i'm going to try something different i want to try something you know exclusive kind of to the city in which the yeah do a great job of like they'll have local places that actually have a spot inside the stadium which is awesome uh yankee stadium like you said kind of does a bad job of that but the halal guys is i, I think that's like a new york based company just because halal is so popular in new yeah. york and uh yeah i mean i had it Food was decent. Like it was nothing crazy. The options weren't that yeah. great either. Um, but yeah, my wife I, actually said on the way home that she's getting that next time because I, that yeah, that wasn't like anywhere near our section. So that's not like all throughout the stadium. But yeah, that was one that we probably could have gotten. And then the last thing, the last two times I've gone to Yankee Stadium, you know, like you said, it's it's just in the middle of the Bronx, like the neighborhood, straight up in the middle, right, and then Bron- like the projects in the middle. And- People in the projects yeah. can literally watch the game for free every night if they want to. Yeah, like that's how yeah. I love. I love that setup because like that's a true city feel. Whereas like I've been to Dodger Stadium before, right? And Dodger Stadium is literally on top of like a mountain on a hill, one way in, one way out. Like all the okay. cars that go it, they go in one way and they come out another way down like this like mountainside. And I've been to yeah. uh obviously I've been to City Field for Phillies game. That that's more because Queens is like a bigger space, so that's more of like parking lot you can tailgate a little bit you can hang out outside or whatever yeah um but yeah like the Bron- like yankee stadium smack dab in the in the middle of the bronx in the middle of grand concourse right in the neighborhood everybody if you really wanted to watch the game you could literally look out the window if you live in the projects on one of the 420 something and watch a game for free every night if you want to yeah so 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 my thing with that is if i don't have to pay for parking cliff I'm gonna look for, for look for another option. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I got a I got a big tour of the Bronx today. Oh, just man. driving around. No I'm way. waiting for a parking lot. All right, do I <laughs> do I see a spot here opening up? Finally found I saw a car with their lights on. And I'm like, all right, tell me this person didn't just get in. Tell me they're coming out. I, I stop right behind them. Boom. They come out. Bang a little parallel park. Park for Yo, free. Listen, it's, how the, long? it's the, I'm not opposed. Listen, I mean, yeah. I'm I'm fine if it's if I need to, if that's the only option, I'll park in a garage uh, or whatever. It was like 40 bucks. I'll pay that meter parking. I'm fine with. But I'm like, 
I'm in the neighborhood. It's going to be like a nine minute walk to the stadium. Literally. It's not like I'm parking. Yeah. It was a nine minute walk. Like this is like basically walking to a parking lot. And so, uh, regardless of me, I'm not going to tell you whether my family approves of this decision making, uh, or not, but I was for the second straight summer able to find a free parking spot, uh, in the Bronx. For those of you who don't know New York, uh, New York territory and places in New York or aren't familiar with how these neighborhoods work. Number one, Grand Concourse isn't the, the best neighborhood in New York City. So that's super reckless of you, number one. Chill has young daughters. He has young daughters. How old are your daughters right now? Uh, they're 10 and 7. 10 and 7. You had them walking through Grand Concourse oh, in the come Bronx. come on. They were fine. They got to see different neighborhoods. How long? And, and here's another thing for all my Philly people. Y'all, everybody's starting to relate to this now, especially in Philly with how they're doing the parking out there. How long did it take you to look to get this damn spot? I would say this could not have been probably about 20 minutes. We were driving around the park. I don't know. We got there early. We got there early. Time from that. I feel like you should have some time from that. Last time I got, last time I found one uh, very quickly, very quickly. And I was very proud of it. We got out right away. This one wasn't as successful. It took longer to find. And then we got stuck. I mean, it's a weekday game. So you're leaving the Bronx at what? 430 on a weekday. You're going to get stuck uh, in some traffic. So multiple uh, points of traffic. Yeah. And multiple points of traffic. But I am, uh, yeah, you, that's reckless. That is super <laughs> reckless. <laughs> you just go to random parking spots in the Bronx, have your young daughters walk through the Bronx. Oh, come also, on. They would have to the- walk through the garage anyway. Everybody was everybody was fine. No one gave any, any trouble. They're used to it. All right. That's our Yankee Stadium experience. What else we got uh, on the group chat this week? What are, uh, what are your, your friends talking about? So here's the Eagles yeah. point. Jalen Carter there's a lot of hype building around Jalen Carter being an Eagle. So as you know, he hasn't been visiting teams uh, beyond that are picking beyond 10. And the Eagles currently have the 10th overall pick. The Eagles have a pipeline from Georgia for, for some reason. I don't know. All the players are you know pretty good coming out of Georgia. So the Eagles have like a nice pipeline from Georgia to Philly. Um, we know Howie Roseman loves, loves the dudes in the trenches. We know Jalen Carter has some issues and, he could literally have been the first overall pick in this draft, had some off the field issues and and the combine weigh in and just just a, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff circulating around Jalen Carter and his his character. Me personally, I don't know the young man. I hope the best for him. I'm not going to sit here and disparage him because I just don't know him. And I don't like when people just put out stuff like that. But I'm sure somebody's sourced enough to to know what's actually going on with him. Um, where there's smoke, there's fire. Now, do you think? that there's some actual fire in this? Or do you think the Eagles would potentially trade out of that pick instead of picking Jalen Carter? Because somebody today said he's the best prospect since Reggie White. Now that to me is uh, is too strong, but <laughs> yes. but to, to for your first question, yeah, it was interesting because because you know Drew Rosenhaus is his agent, and you know so they're probably making the decision together that hey, we're not making any visits to teams outside the top ten. He's not going outside the top ten. Drew Rosenhaus has a long relationship with Harry Roseman. Remember, just a couple of weeks ago, we we're talking about the Darius Slay thing. That's with Drew Rosenhaus. I mean, they are probably just in constant uh, communication. They've done so many deals over the years, and so led people to draw the conclusion. Well. Drew has probably heard from Howie that hey, we had him in. We we've talked to him, and he's let me stop you for a second. I just want to ask you this, yeah. just real quick, just real quick. Do you think yeah. 
Your Rosenhaus has more has had dinner more with Howie or his wife. It's a good question. Uh, <laughs> if he's married, uh, well, I, conversation. Well, yeah, I think he is married because I know he posts pictures of his kid. He, I think he said I don't know if he had a kid recently or what. Uh, I would say dinner probably his wife, but like if you just say conversation in a given week, I don't know. I'm sure they they talk uh, <laughs> back very often. Yeah. yeah, or have talked very often. So I actually think that is a that's a smart theory. Like that's a legit theory. I could absolutely see that. That how he's saying, "Hey, we had him in." You know, we know, like you said, we know Nicobe Dean. We know Jordan Davis. We talked to them about him. We know all a lot of people on Georgia's staff because we were doing our homework on these guys last year. I mean, just. Think of like the upside there. You're the tenth overall pick. This is not a great. This is not a great draft. Like as Ben and I have been doing the draft shows, you're going through, going, uh, all right, yeah, you can kind of talk yourself into this guy, but it's not like one of those where you're at ten and you're like, man, it's loaded. You're absolutely getting a stud, no questions asked uh, type player. Or there's always some uncertainty, but at least you know some years you kind of feel like you have more great options than other years. This isn't one of those years, and so I think they would look at it uh, if they've done their homework, you know, and, and and they they do their homework on all these guys. If they feel good enough about it, and it's not like hey, these huge off field red flags. If it's sort of like the uh, like you said, I don't know the details of it either. But if it's more like hey, work ethic based and the, you know habits that kind of thing, I think they would pre- feel pretty confident with their sort of leadership, their locker room, you know, a winning culture that you could bring him in. And man, if he hits like. That's the kind of guy you're hoping to hit on with a top 10 pick, premium position, defensive tackle, position of need, game wrecker. Like, this is a guy who's, you know, your next Fletcher He's Cox. A dog, yeah. Really. They, they in, said he was in the many best. Ways. They said he was the best Georgia defensive player last year. Last year, yes. Or, I remember I'm that. I'm sorry. That, well, both championships. This time year, last you know year, when yes. everyone was watching Jordan Davis, yeah, they're right. like, but the real guy is coming next year. Yeah, right. that was the conversation. So uh, I'd be all for it. I love when they draft in the trenches anyway. For the most part, they've gotten it right with dudes like Fletcher Cox, Lane Johnson, um, late later rounds like Jordan Malata. You know, there's always the Andre Dills of the world. And there's always the, you know, Marcus Smiths yeah. of the world and the Danny Watkins of the world. But still, I mean, you they have a pretty good hit rate on the line. So I, I'd be all for it if I'm being honest. You know, high risk, high reward. But there, that reward could be substantial, especially when you lose Hargrave uh, this offseason too. So... I, I, yeah. I think I think if he's there, they might, you know, maybe maybe cornerback might have to take a little seat and they might have to take Jalen Carter because he might be worth more than whatever quarterback or cornerback is taken by then. Because I'm assuming Witherspoon is probably going by then, right? And then maybe, maybe yeah, him or maybe Gonzalez, Christian, yeah. maybe Gonzalez is going by then, depending on yeah. who trades up or who needs a quarterback or doesn't need a quarterback and I I'd, I'd be all for it, man. I like him. I really do like him. I think he's a dog. I like him. No, pun I think just in terms of on-field play, they would have Carter ranked ahead of those guys. Honestly, just looking at their positional value and just what I mean, what he's done. I mean, he's like you said, legitimately, you know, number one pick type talent. And so uh, I actually don't think he's going to get there. I think there'll be all these conversations happening, but um, you know, teams will do their homework and I think someone will, I I have him pegged kind of at Seattle at number six. I mean, he's the type of player I could really see them if they don't. Uh, yeah, if, like, they need Anthony a pass Richards rusher. Is not there. Yeah, yeah. They need just a, they need stud defensive players and, mm-hmm. and Pete Carroll will be like, give me a break. Like we'll bring him in. He'll be good. <laughs> uh, you know, we'll, we'll yeah. have a whole program set up for him. So I, that's where I, I think he may go. 
go. But if he is there at 10, uh, absolutely, I could see the Eagles being uh, very interested in him. All right, what are we moving on to? What are we closing out with here? Let's, or, or let's, what else get, on to our, let's get on to our lovely Philadelphia 76ers. So last night, Joel Embiid, last night, Tuesday night, Joel Embiid, 52 points versus Celtics. Obviously, they were short Robert Williams. They were short Jalen Brown. Um, the Sixers, they needed all 52 points of Embiid in order to win this game. He scored half the team's points. Um, yet, there's still so much concern going into the playoffs with that volume needed to beat Boston in a regular season game. And uh, the basketball guys were on here earlier, Raheem and Chris Ryan. So, uh that pod is out right now. Please go listen to the Sixers pod. It's labeled Joel and B yeah. 52 versus Celtics. Please give that a listen as we go into the playoffs here. Shameless plug. But I that raised some concerns for me because I'm like, where where is the balance in this? So if MB is going off for 52, right? Harden gave you 20 last night. That's 72 points. You squeaked out a win with the team that didn't have an all NBA shooting guard forward, whatever his position is. And you know, probably a top 15 player in the NBA right now, 15, 20 player in the NBA right now, Robert Williams, who's a dog on defense. Um, they didn't have, the, they clearly didn't have the depth that they uh, needed last night in order to win the game. And it took them, it took Jason Tatum missing a turnaround fadeaway baseline jumper <laughs> with two seconds left on the clock to try to tie the game and uh, take it into OT. And I'm like, no matter what we do, if the Sixers have to play the Celtics, which is, what it's looking like if they were to beat Brooklyn in the first round of the playoffs, yeah. they would face obviously the number two seed Boston Celtics. What in the hell can they do in order to actually win this series? Like to me, I don't know where, I don't know where the win is, is coming from. Like wh what's the angle here? Cause Maxi can't, he can't score against any of these wings. He can't score against Derek White. He can't score against Brogdon. He can't score against Grant Williams. He can't score against obviously Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, they have a million wings who are like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Maxie's 6'2". Six, yeah, he's lightning fast, but those dudes are just as fast, just as lengthy, just as quick. And on top of that, he can't defend any of them when they switch on him. And I'm not trying to attack Maxie. I'm just saying, like, yeah. normally he's an advantage. It's a bad for matchup for him. Yeah. Right, 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 right. He's such a, it's such a bad matchup for him because normally he's an advantage for us. Normally he is. Last year he averaged 20 points in the playoffs last season. This year I think he's averaging like 13 points against the Celtics all year. He scored – Seven points last night. So, yeah. like, you you take away our third best player. Harden had a decent game, you know, 20 and 10. It, it looked... It, 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 right, honestly, the, the, box, the box score looked better than he yeah. played, I thought. I mean, I was concerned with how he played and have been concerned with how he's played in this last stretch after the way he's looked like look, looked for most of the season. So, the first thing I want you to want you to break down is the MVP thing, right? Now, Doc said it's pretty much wrapped up. I think it's been wrapped up for a little while. I don't know why we're still having this conversation. A lot of people are saying it's not fun anymore after uh, Big Perk yeah. said, uh, you know, he ducked Jokic or whatever whatever <laughs> he was trying to make a point of, and he's going to remember this one. I hope he remembered 52 points against the Celtics in a, in a late-season game against the team's arch-rival. But what do you think about Joel's MVP chances now? Earlier today, I saw the line was he was minus 750. I saw Giannis was minus 850 as well as Jokic saying minus 850. I don't. I think you're. It looks like you're looking at the lines right now. Have they moved? Yeah, the no. Teams? It's over. It's over. According to Fanduel. I mean, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's at minus one thousand for Joel okay. Embiid, plus twelve hundred for oh, Jokic, wow. 
and Giannis. So uh, okay. it's a wrap. There's three yeah. games left. I mean, I don't know what could happen in the next three games for that to change. Now, that's if the betting, you know, if the betting markets are uh, correct and accurate and, uh, and we don't know how people are going to vote. But according I mean, to that... Both it's of them over. have nothing to play for. They both have the first seed locked up. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's this you know, weekend. Yeah. It's not, yeah. it's like there's, there's three games left. It's not what, like there's what are they, a whole What are they going to show that they haven't shown all right. season? So, yeah. To me personally, I, it has to be in B's. It has to be in B's because the way he anchored this team all season. And again, we watch the Sixers every night more than we watch the Bucks, but we do watch the Bucks enough to understand Giannis's value. But when you factor in like just everything surrounding Embiid from coaching, to players, to, you know, the bench either being Jekyll and Hyde, whether they want to come in and actually contribute or whether they just, you know, they want to give you nothing or Tobias Harris might have four points one game and then he'll have 17 and eight the next game. You just, there's a lot of uncertainty and the most certain thing about the Sixers has been Embiid all year long. Like the Nuggets have balance. Sure, they would not be nearly as good without Jokic, but they could definitely hold their own. The Bucks. I mean, I saw them win multiple games without Giannis and Drew Holiday go off for 51 points. It's like, you don't have that with the Sixers. So to me, I feel like the MVP race has definitely been locked up. And this is no bias. This is just me being a fan of basketball, watching it in my 30 years of life. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the one thing, and again, I mean, that just Embiid has been putting up these box scores that we kind of sometimes take for granted. I mean, he'll have games that you feel like are okay, where he's going like, you know, 40 and 12. And, you know, it's hard. It's really hard to go 40 and 12 in the NBA. But that game specifically, I mean, they were plus 17 with Embiid and they won by two points. So they're minus 15 without him, and that's in, what, nine minutes. He only sat nine minutes last game uh, against the Celtics, and they're minus 15 without him. He scores over half their points. The one point I wanted to make was I think he just deserves more credit for how he's worked on his game. Like, this isn't – like, he's a different player now than he's been even the previous two years where he's been one of the, what, five best players in the NBA. I mean, these Mm. sets they run where he just catches the ball at the elbow and faces up and has to make decisions, pull up for the jumper, uh, drive to the basket, play make, pass, whatever. Like, that was their entire offense against the Celtics, and it was unstoppable. I mean, the the Celtics had nothing. They couldn't do anything uh, for that. And I would get annoyed whenever they're on TNT and they go to halftime and, you know, Shaq and Charles, who I love. I mean, it's the best, don't get me wrong, it's the best show. But it would just be the same thing every time the Sixers were on. Oh, you know, Embiid shooting threes. He should be getting down on the low block, posting up. And it's just like, all right, sometimes maybe that had validity, but they would go to it every time. And like, look at what he's doing now. I mean, this is like Dirk Nowitzki-esque mm-hmm. kind of the way he's controlling the game uh, from that area of the floor. So I do feel like that's, I was trying to think like, what's a point on Embiid I haven't made, or I, I'm sure others have made this this point. He's been in the discourse all season long, but I do think he deserves a lot of credit for the way, you know, the version he is this season is different than the version he was uh, in previous seasons. And so... To answer your question about the Celtics series, it is hard to just come up with a formula, isn't it? Like, hey, this is how they beat the Celtics. I mean, right. we've seen them play them four times. They lost three, and the fourth one they held on. Like, by the way, if the, if Tatum makes that shot and they lose in overtime, 
That would have been one of the ugliest losses all ever. time, yeah. like yeah. Philadelphia sports loss. Like yes. w- literally one of the, w- they would have had to like, can't, they should have just, can't, if they lose that game, they should have just said our season's over. Like we forfeit first round, everyone go on vacation. We can't play anymore. Cause that, the way those final, uh, that final minute, those final seconds played out. I was just like, if they, he hits a shot here. Oh my God. I <laughs> no one, the people will be talking about this game. Our grandchildren will be talking about this game that so, ending was uh, hor- that ending was horrendous i thought the rest oh my really tried to give the celtics every chance in that when it came to the Derek white whatever the oh. hell that i mean that was just this great the max kept no- falling down that was the max no everybody call. fall down yeah, yeah the maxi no call they didn't box out marcus smart and then he got the pass like that yeah. could have been a nasty epic uh collapse of crazy proportions um yeah. real quick uh just to side note harden has since the in the games he's came back the last four games, he has shot forty one percent from three. So that is a bright spot. Like okay. to me, to me, we had an argument in one of the group chats here, and this is like a huge Sixers group chat. Um, to me, the argument for Harden was if you get nineteen and fourteen, and other guys are getting involved, I think that suffices for the type of production you need from him, right? Because don't you need the playmaker first and the efficiency from shooting a three? And I know the twenty, it'll be two points off the twenty one points per game in the season, but like, wouldn't the 14 assists kind of make up for whatever that is and 19 points kind of be, okay, he's not ball hogging. I'm assuming Embiid's probably going for 35 plus. Maybe Maxi would give you 20 plus and maybe Tobias will give you, uh, you know, 15, 16, 17. Like, would that suffice against a team like the Celtics or does Harden need to be, and I, and I heard Jamal Crawford say this, he said, Harden needs to go ballistic or something along the lines uh, in order for the Sixers to beat the Celtics, basically saying he needs to be kind of like Houston Harden. And I, I don't know if that's like really winning basketball, if that makes sense, because if he's going to take over a game, then what is everybody else doing? Like, is Embiid, yeah, I does mean, somebody else's production drop? Like, it needs to be balanced to me. I can talk myself into like Embiid just putting them on his back for mm-hmm. – like two games, maybe, right? Right, right, right. In a series, I don't know what and that's the right probably what has is. to happen. That probably yeah, is what has to happen. Yeah, let's say two games, but then you're still two games short of winning the series. So what has to happen in those other two games? I mean, I don't think it. Nineteen and fourteen is not going to be enough if Maxi is still having these struggles. Now, I'm not like. I'm still open to the, like Maxi could go up for like 38 in a playoff game. And you're just like, cause he's used to making high degree of difficulty shots. And so I don't want to go all the way. Like I agree that the, the numbers are undeniable that he has been a different player against the Celtics than really he has been against the rest of the league. But like, like I, he's not scared. I think he's up for the challenge. Like he'll be aggressive. They're all urging him to be aggressive. Like no shot is a bad shot uh, for Maxi. And so either you would need him to kind of go off and kind of carry you in a game or you would need, I think, Harden to play like he was playing earlier in the season. I mean, I just I just don't feel like he looks like the same guy now. You're, I mean, the numbers look good from the Celtics game against the Bucks. I thought he was horrendous in that game. Five turnovers awful. in that game. Yeah, and I thought just he was like awful. Re- careless. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he was not able to like rise to the intensity level uh, of that game. Uh, you know, he had six turnovers in that game uh, against the Raptors previously so uh he shot under i'm looking at this under 45 percent in six of his last seven games now that's just you gotta overall. remember most of them have been threes though threes. Like, that's yeah, why that's the true. percentage yeah. is around like 41 percent. yeah so. that's true so i mean 
I, I don't know. Like, just listen. The three best teams, arguably, in the NBA are the Bucks, Celtics, and Sixers. And if you look at like the odds, uh, just in the East, I was just looking at the Bucks are plus one fifteen to get to the finals. Uh, which is about like a 47% chance. The Celtics are plus 185, which is like a 35% chance. And the Sixers are plus 420, like a 19% chance. So like the odds say they have like roughly half the chance, you know, less than half the chance of the Bucks to get there and about half the chance of the Celtics. So they're going to be legit underdogs uh, in that series. And like you said, the standings are pretty much settled. I mean, Sixers are going to play, uh, you know, Brooklyn or Miami in the first round. And then if they win, they're going to play the Celtics in the second round, assuming the Celtics are there in the second round. And they're going to have to get past Boston just to get out of the second round to the conference finals to potentially face the team that a lot of people think is going to win the the uh, championship in the Bucks. So it's a hard road, but you know what? Let's just... Let's let Embiid healthy and like he, he he might put up an all-time playoff performance where he averages, I don't know, you know, 38 and 38 and they still might lose. But uh, I would like to see that. I just like the, the calf injury we talked about a couple of weeks ago. He looks good now. Let's just put him on ice and let's see what happens in the playoffs. Yeah, that's going to be a nice tankathon on Easter Sunday when the Sixers uh, come up to Brooklyn and play the Nets. I'm pretty sure they're going to try their <laughs> hardest to, to make sure the Nets are that uh, number six seed. I think. If I'm not mistaken, I think they're up already by like two games anyway. I haven't looked at the standings earlier, but I think it, that's where it's about anyway. So uh, just real quick, and let's let's finish it off with this. And, yeah. and, in light of the event that happened at the Women's uh, College Basketball Championship this year between Angel Reese and, and Caitlin Clark and all the trash talking and the media firestorm, that the nonsense that came from about it, uh, you know, we had some very big names say some really nasty things about Angel Reese, who is who is a black woman who is loud, un, unapologetic, said said I'm a stand on what I'm what I stand on, and we had a lot of people, you know, that was on Sportsman like a lot of bots on Twitter, a lot of bots on Instagram commenting classless, uh, you know, I'm sure it'll it'll be it would be different if the tables were turned because we saw it literally the game before where Caitlin Clark's doing the same exact gestures to other people, but it was revered and it was loved, but then the tables were turned once Angel Reese did it to her on the court. And it just got me thinking like, just, just on a, on a, on a micro level growing up in Philly, man, like you get made fun of people talk trash, people come at you all types of ways. And I think that shows like in our athletes and the people that come to Philly, like remember when T.O. was playing for, uh, he was playing for San Fran at the time and he literally scored and he did the thing on the star. I'm like, when the when the hell in sports did everything have to be so uh, you can't do this? You have to handle yourself a certain way. Like I love when people have that emotion. I love when Embiid does the the D generation X whenever he get the uh, yeah. he gets the and one and falls on the ground. Like I love when people show that type of energy. Or when AI used to do the ear thing. Like I, I need to hear y'all right now. What when the hell in sports did everyone just get so sensitive about all of this? Like. In Philly, like you wouldn't survive two seconds if you even complained about that. Like that's that's mild. I seen people fight at the park. Like I seen people get chased down at the park. Like I seen so many crazy things happen during basketball games. And for people to be complaining about that and make that a story is insane to me. Like I, what is going on here? 
Am I crazy? I thought it was great. I thought it was great. I mean, I le- that was. I thought that game was great. I thought the final four was great. I thought them, go- you know, are, are going at her. Uh, Angel Reese going at her. And I it was great. Like that sports. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I love I, when she did it. I love when she I did thought it. it was a great moment for women's basketball. Like I was locked into that, both the into final four uh, and that championship game. I mean, I, that was as good or better than uh, any game in the men's tournament. I, th- I thought I was just thoroughly entertained by it. And like you said, it's like, yeah, sometimes you're like, wait, do have these people watched sports all their lives? Like, this is what happens. We've watched this in sports. We've watched this in different mediums. Now, maybe because it, it's women, uh, it's getting uh, treated differently. Like you said, uh, the racial dynamics at play, mm-hmm. but like Caitlin Clark, not bothered by that like like yeah. you said caitlin clark's doing the same thing she's played you know how many times she's played in intense uh environments and like if if i was putting myself in like lsu shoes you're probably going into that game being like all right all anyone's talking about is caitlin clark this caitlin like she was you know every highlight and we're gonna go in there and we're gonna like you know they didn't shut her down but yeah we're gonna win mm-hmm. the game and we're gonna let them know about it and that's what mm-hmm. they did that was mm-hmm. fun. That was great. Like, we must, yo, we must be yeah. desensitized here in Philly because, like, I, I thought that was – I literally thought that was, like, a super common thing. I was like, oh, I, I love the spiciness of it. I thought that was – yeah. it's, it's like when kids nowadays, when they do the uh, – when they do the, the signal – uh, when they little boy you when you after yeah, somebody scores a layup, too small, yeah, yeah too small, yeah. yeah. Like I, I thought she all she did was point at her ring finger and did the <laughs> and did the same thing Caitlin Clark did. Like I, again, it is a bigger story just because we know the impact and how media affects this type of stuff and like how the racial dynamics play in this whole entire thing. And yeah. I don't want to downplay no that doubt. part of it, but what I'm talking about is why? What is What's the big deal here? Like, what are we sensitive to here? This is sports. Yeah. People talk trash. It was it's great. been like that forever. Awesome. People used yeah. to spit on people in sports. Bill Romanowski. Like, th- this yeah. is again. That's first of all, that's uncalled for. But still, like, we've seen, <laughs> yeah. we've seen way worse. <laughs> we've seen way worse. Probably personally, personally on the street, and way worse in sports. Like, I, I just didn't understand what the what the hype was about beyond the racial dynamics of what happened. That was insane to me. Yeah. Yeah, I, w- oh. I was just looking up because I hadn't seen if Clark had been asked about it or responded. I'm seeing now she that was outside she the lines. Been, yeah, and she said, "I don't think Angel should be criticized at all." Which, <laughs> like, that's what I would expect her to say, you know? Yeah. Like, as yeah, a competitor. Yeah, she's not bothered by it. Like you said, she's doing the same thing. Uh, they're both doing it. So uh, I'm with you. Yeah, I didn't. I actually had to ask you uh, before the show, and we don't need to name names now, but I was just because at, at one point, you know, sometimes like depending on who you follow on Twitter or, or you know, you have your own friends like. I was like, wait, who are the people who are actually criticizing Angel Reese? Because that hadn't come across my eyeballs. Like most people felt like you do uh, and like I do about it. So then you were, you know, you were telling me and yeah, there were some, you know, big names, people with uh, big audiences uh, who were, who were uh, certainly doing that. But no, I, I'm with you. I, I thought it was great. I don't think anyone needs to apologize for anything um, like if they play again, that's going to be awesome. You know I, hope what I, mean? more like, it, I hope more of it happens. Yeah. I, I hope yeah, they play I each other. I look forward to watching team. that. I hope they play each yeah. other in the, in the, in the tournament next year, in the national championship yeah. next year as well. 100%. Bottom line, my It'll bottom line. Yeah. My point is, man, stop being soft, man. We, this is sports. People are highly competitive. <laughs> this is what happens. Stop there being soft go. people. It is what it is. Okay. I love it. Stop being soft. Yeah. No one got hurt. It's sports. Everyone's competing. All right. That was good. Another great edition of Cliff's group. 
chat. Glad to get this one out. We hit on a little bit of everything, right? Little Phillies, little Sixers, little Eagles. What do we got coming out this weekend? Sixers close out their season. Like we said, kind of meaningless. Phillies get back Friday, play three in a row at home against the Cincinnati Reds. Let's see if they can get back on track. So we'll keep an eye on all of that. Benny Souls and I will be back next week. We'll do some more uh, draft talk for sure. So if you have draft NFL draft questions, again, hashtag Ringer Philly, and uh, we'll put the call out again early next week. I think next week we'll do like an all uh, mailbag episode and get yeah. to all of your draft We'll get back to the callers on that too because I feel like a lot of the callers definitely yeah. want to lock in with us. So next week, um, well, I'll put the number up in the description here. So everybody, please read the description uh after i release this podcast and we'll we'll respond to your voicemails yeah that'll be good for this episode too like if, sure. if you have a question on anything yeah. we can just play you know play what voicemails yes. and answer them right yes. that's'll be fun yes. yeah so yes. so ask questions about anything whether it's uh you know sixers eagles phillies any 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 my parking anything else uh on your mind and we will uh, get to those voicemails for sure all right thank you to cliff uh we will be back on the ringers philly special next week everyone have a great weekend